Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where Catholic truth is served fresh daily. We've made you a reservation in the luxurious corner booth, so come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzezemski. Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff, sitting in the luxurious corner booth of the French Catholic Cafe last time this year. This is, it's kind of sad, the pilgrimage is kind of wrapping up. It's been a beautiful, beautiful experience. Highly recommended to everybody uh, to come to Lourdes, uh, but really just to go on pilgrimage and have that experience here with the Order of Malta. And it's been a, it's been a beautiful, beautiful experience. I've met so many people, had so many uh, just really neat experiences uh, and uh, I, we're going to do our sort of a wrap-up show here, talk about uh, what the experiences have been like. But I thought I would do it in the context of uh, uh, understanding what, uh, well, maybe what Lourdes is like from the perspective of uh, we have a, a religious priest here who, uh, although it's bad to have an irreligious priest, I guess, <laughs> it's uh, Father Anthony Batesall. He's a CFR a Franciscan friar of the renewal. And Father Anthony, you're an old friend of the Catholic Cafe. You've bonjour, bonjour. Yeah, that, that boy, that is a beautiful French accent. You I've been working on, on it. Have you? Keep working. <laughs> uh, so you, you've been on our show before, yep. you know, and you visit us um, in, in Memphis from time to time. We do this really cool thing called uh, Friar Fest that you guys come down for yeah. from New York. And you're based out of New York, right? Based out of New York City, uh, headquarters in the South Bronx. Yeah. Um, my house is a little bit north of the Bronx, Seminary House. Very, but... very religious and spiritual gathering place there in the Bronx. You know, mm. it's a pilgrimage very, site. Yeah, big tourist site, too. Yeah, well, yeah. if you want a pizza or whatever, a pie. <laughs> uh, it's getting better. It's getting better. Is it? Well, yeah. I think it's getting better because of you guys. But uh, as a Franciscan friar of the renewal, uh, you know, coming, you're, you're the only uh, guy walking around that I see with the gray habit. The only one in all of Lourdes. So even if it's a little dirty, uh, people don't notice that because like they all, the, the only one they've ever seen is this. So this is as clean as it exactly gets, right? right. Exactly I, right. And gray's <laughs> in this, you know, the gray's uh, one of the new colors coming in. I'm so excited that you yeah. guys are finally coming into your own. That's, That's so right. beautiful that you get your just due. But it's kind of neat to have you on this. You were invited on this pilgrimage um, uh, to go with the Order of Malta, and you came out with the, with the Memphis folk. And you always get people like say you're from Memphis. No, I'm not from Memphis, but I know the Memphis people. I've you know I, I've actually got a little bit of the dialect from Memphis. Oh, okay. Y'all, y'all, you're and, doing well. And all y'all. Oh wow, bon appetit, y'all. Yes, exactly. You, you're working it. I'm all getting in it there. down. Yeah, I'm yeah. That's that. <laughs> I fit right in with everybody. <laughs> you do. Well, it's so cool. We're wrapping up our pilgrimage here, and um, and so I, it's a good time to kind of reflect. Now, this mm. isn't the first time you've been in Lourdes, is it? Or is it? No, it's about 20 years ago I came here with Father Benedict Rochelle and about 100 pilgrims. Now, did he levitate when he was here? Or? Just about. He did. Well, you were, you were actually throwing I him I was down. trying to hold him down. I was trying to hold him down. <laughs> yeah. He was actually levitating because we saw all of France from a bus window in, a, in about a week and a half. You know, he was flying all over the place. But I remember uh, it's about 20 years ago being with – I was a young brother – and I was kind of his roadie and, yeah. uh, and taking care of the uh, 100 pilgrims we came with. It was a beautiful experience. That is, that is beautiful. So now your, ex- your experience here with, with the Order of Malta, and it's very uh, – maybe it's a different one with the pilgrimage that, uh, that you were on then 20 years ago. Um, but this one's so focused on our malads. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, we, we call them our Lord's sick, right? Our right. Lord's poor. So it's like we always see them in the context of it as a gift to us. 
from the Lord. And mm-hmm. so how, how is that big, that experience you've, you've had here with, with the Order of Malta on this particular pilgrimage? Sure. So it's a little bit more, as you said, uh, Deacon, is more focused on the Malads and focused on bringing these people who could never really get here on their own, bringing them to Lourdes and, and receiving all the graces of this pilgrimage site versus a pilgrimage where most everybody has the means right. and the health to, to go there by themselves. You know? Yeah, we've so all seen those things advertised in the church. Come and see, uh, go to go to the Holy Land or go to mm-hmm. wherever, uh, the Vatican or whatever, and it's like for only sixty eight fifty per person, double occupancy or whatever. Mm-hmm. This is a whole different deal here. We, yeah. we, the Order of Malta, I say we, the Order of Malta brings these people here at no cost to them. That's right. And they bring them here to expose them to this beautiful uh, grace-filled kind of place. Great ministry. It really is. Order of Malta is doing... Wonderful things, and, and, and even as beautiful, when you come on a pilgrimage, you do see a lot of other people, but here you see, uh, from around the world, here you see a lot of other people from around the world, but part of the Order of Malta. Yeah. They, they have the sign, Italia, Francia, you know, Poland, everywhere, España, and it's great, you know, if they do speak English, or right. you can speak a little bit of their language to say, oh, where are you from? I had the best conversation right outside this hotel uh, two days ago with a woman from um, Luxembourg. Oh. I'd never met anybody from Luxembourg, you know. And it's only like three miles wide. It's like a little tiny. I think place. it is. I think it's two and a half by two and a half. But uh, just a great conversation. And what are the odds? Exactly. That you're going to bump into mm-hmm. right someone from Luxembourg. Exactly right. It's not. It's not the greatest, right? Well, again, it helps us to see the universality of our church and our faith. It is that God came for everyone. Right, and so yeah. did our mother, right, our blessed yeah. mother, to 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 be down there at the grotto and to experience all these different to wander past the grotto. You know, it's a very important site, obviously, and so they schedule masses during the day, and you'll walk by and it's like, oh, I think that's French, and then the, the twenty minutes later you're coming back by the uh, again, and it's like, oh, I I think that's uh, like Lithuanian or something. You know what? Mm. And you start to hear all these different languages, right, right, all drawn to that same place. Yeah, I think it. To me, it's the it, it answers the ultimate purpose, meaning of life, of why we're here on earth, and we're children of the Father. And even though we have different languages and different customs, but here it is: you see, everyone comes together around a mother within the the mother of the church, and uh, we're, we're coming praising the Lord, the same the same God, the same Father that we have. Uh, we're one family. That is the ultimate purpose of 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 our faith and the significance of our religion. I think it's cool that right here on the Catholic cafe, that the meaning of life was just revealed. I don't know if people realize they just heard the meaning of life. I'll be charging you for that, by the way. Oh yeah. Well, you know, you know, there's no fee, right? You know, it's all free. The gospel is free. Father Anthony. Amen. And I don't know if you, if you guys got holes in your pockets, because if you had money, it goes right through. It goes you right, you don't, right, you don't to, the, right to the ground. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Amen, brother. So like you've been kind of, uh, uh, an associate chaplain or something. You've, 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 as a priest, um, they put you to work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you don't call it work, though. No. Right? We just had a reading today that talked about, you know, the, the, the shepherd that is, is paid to be. He doesn't. It's his job. He doesn't care for the sheep. Right. But you care for the sheep. So, yeah, when the times no get pay. hard, you take off, right? If you're, if you're paid, if that's what you're in it for is the money or the benefits, right? right. Exactly yeah. right. Yeah. Well, so, it, so as, a, as a chaplain on a pilgrimage like this, um, a lot of people will see a chaplain because in these typical pilgrimages that are organized by churches and whatever, and they all truck off to uh, to Italy or whatever, 
you know, they, they, they kind of see the chaplain as the spiritual director. Right. Uh, Father's going to explain all these holy sites and kind of help us go through mm-hmm. the catechism and whatever. And, and obviously, but some people don't recognize the beautiful gift of the sacraments as part of pilgrimage. So right. what has your sort of chaplaincy been like here uh, sure. at Lourdes? Well, if I could just put a, put a theological spin on it, is um, a deep meaning of pilgrimage, right? You're going to a place, but you're with a group. And, and within the group, you have a lot of different types of people, different backgrounds, different functions. And we're all here on a pilgrimage, and the pilgrimage of life, certainly, but the pilgrimage to Lourdes. Well, for the, for the priest, he, he, again, we all walk together, but he's able to bring Christ in the sacraments into that walk, you see, to, to Lourdes, but symbolic mm. of heaven. So he's able to bring Jesus in the Eucharist, Jesus in confession, um, amongst the people. You know, and as, as a, you can tell, it's a, just a, a, a tremendous consolation. And, and the, the homily that we had this morning from Bishop Barber, he was saying, you know, but as we go home, we realize that on our pilgrimage of life, this same Jesus is within the four walls of our church. We have everything yeah. for salvation within our own church. And he had mentioned the Eucharist and confession, the forgiveness of sins. And then, of course, our Lord walking with us in the sacrament of his, of his body and his blood. And we have a beautiful, beautiful also uh, additional sacrament that comes into play in Lourdes so, so well, and that is that anointing of the sick. Yeah, the anointing of the sick is a, a tremendous... The, the Lord... Of course, when he first appears on earth, what does he start doing? He starts healing people. He, he, in a way, enters into their suffering. There's times, I think Bishop Sheen noticed this, that, that when uh, our Lord would sometimes pray over people, he would groan. It was, mm. and, he, and, he, and he likened that, that our Lord's entering into our darkness, our suffering, taking that upon himself. That's why he came. And really entering into that, but he comes and he heals us in many different ways. You know, sometimes physical healings, but that anointing of the sick, similar to the baths or the, yeah. the waters of Lourdes. It, um, you know, not everybody is healed, but there's a grace of healing spiritually, certainly for everyone. Yeah, and it's nice uh, to, I guess, to realize, again, if we're looking big picture, picture theology, you know, that we, we ours is an incarnational faith. And, and the fact that, that, that God took on flesh and he dwelt among us. He walked among us. And so to be reminded of the fact that you're not walking alone, you know, especially in a place like Lourdes. Uh, we, have, we have the Lord present in the sacraments, but also his mother uh, is here. But like, so in life, to know that Jesus kind of walks along beside us is kind of a cool It is. Kind of it cool is thing. great. Because yeah. we forget that. Yeah. As I said, the ultimate meaning of life, you know, which will be charged for later. Um, <laughs> as I said, that is for me, for me, it's what's revealed is, is the family, you know, and the family, of the church, the family that we're that we're walking together. Well, the antithesis of that, right, the breakdown of the family is where people become in isolation. And the worst suffering, I think, is loneliness. Mm. You know, it's not cancer, yeah. uh, although it's a terrible, it's a terrible illness, but it's to suffer alone. And, um, but when you see, like, for the great gift for us is that when we're, we're with the, the greater community of the, uh, of the Order of Malta, that you see a lot of people suffering, but somehow the community that rallies around yeah. them brings them incredible joy and consolation. Remember the story of St. Paul where uh, he was stoned, they, they, or they dragged him out of the 
out of the town yeah. and he was stoned or something. And there's a very interesting St. Luke describes in the Acts of the Apostles where his followers gathered around him. And the next thing you know, he, he stands right up and walks back into town. But they thought he was dead, and he might have been dead. That's powerful. But there's something within the community of prayer gathering around the, the sick person, you know, praying for them. That, in a way, at least it brings the, the power of the resurrection into their life. And I also think it's cool that we see that uh, not only do we, are we, and specifically you, involved in ministry to that person, but how that that person ministers to us. The joy of some of these people that I've, that I've met, you know, uh, Greg and some of the other uh, Malads that I've come to know. And it's like these, these, these folks were just on fire. They're just in love with the Lord. And yet... They would have every reason to be angry with God. Yeah. And that yeah. ministers to us, I think. Absolutely. I, I was in the baths the other day uh, with a number of Malads. I was able to actually take one in to right. the baths, you know, so I got to go in and as well. But the, their faith and their witness, you know, I'm a professional religious person, I guess, you know, a priest right. and vows, poverty, chastity, obedience. But their faith, it was so profound. And and I was very evangelized in those baths. Isn't that amazing? It is amazing. And it yeah. puts everything in perspective for you, doesn't it? It really does. It yeah. really does. I think that's one of the graces of Lourdes is that, you know, people, uh, all of us come here for special graces and, and healing from our past or whatever or present. But I think what people take from here is a grace of perspective, a mm. grace of gratitude, because you can always find somebody who's got it worse off than you. You're right. It's really amazing. And so you're like, even yesterday I was at the grotto. I was praying last night, and I was really tired because of the jet lag. So I'm, I'm back there praying my, my night prayer. And this this boy, he must have been about 12 years old. He's wheeled up to the back, the back pew uh, within the grotto. They have benches there. And he he's missing one leg, and his other leg is kind of bent back mm. at, behind him. Anyway, the the guy who was who was taking care of him, his companion, lifted him out of the wheelchair, and and put him on the kneeler, his one bad knee, and he's holding on to the the front of the of the bench, and he kneeled there for twenty minutes. And sometimes you think, oh, my knees are bad or whatever. Yeah, and you it's hear, hard you, to you hear your, the brothers whining. You hear the brothers whining. <laughs> I never do. You hear the brothers whining, you know, about kneeling and think, oh, my, my knees. Are, and you see something like that. It's that's where it ministers to you, evangelize you, because of the faith of, of even these very poor and, and, and sick people, very ill people. Um, they evangelize you and inspire you to say, hey, um, i got to step up my game a little bit here yeah. with the Lord. Amen. So we're talking to Father Anthony Batesall, who is a Franciscan friar of the Renewal, a wonderful priest uh, of that order. And uh, we're talking about our pilgrimage and Lord's. We're going to talk some more. First, we're going to take a break. But before we do that, I want to remind folks at home, we've got a great website, thecatholiccafe.com. Uh, also, I'd love to hear from you. Send me an email, deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. With that, we'll be right back. I'm Bess Drzemski, and this is another great moment in church history. Isabel Flores de Oliva was born to a large family in Lima, Peru in 1586. Even as a child, her holiness was apparent. It is said that a servant of the household once saw her face transformed into the likeness of a rose, hence her nickname, Rosa. 
At her confirmation at age 11, she took the name Rose. St. Rose knew at a very young age that God was calling her. Even as a teenager, she devoted herself to prayer and gave up many of the comforts of life in order to unite herself more fully to the suffering of Christ. Having read a biography of St. Catherine of Siena, she began to take her life of self-denial more and more seriously, even to the objections of her parents and friends. She first fasted three times a week, then offered a daily fast. This led her to abstain from meat and perpetuity. When she began to be admired for her beauty and devotion, she cut off her hair. If ever she doubted her path of suffering and self-denial, she was encouraged by visions, revelations, visitations, and comforting voices. She received the Eucharist daily, deriving from the Blessed Sacrament the grace and consolation to carry on. At the age of 20, St. Rose took a vow of virginity and joined the Dominicans. With permission of her order, she moved into a small grotto built in her parents' garden and lived there in a spirit of prayer and penance. While St. Rose spent much time in prayer, she still found time for acts of charity. She sought out the sick, the poor, and the forgotten in her community and brought them to her home to care for them. St. Rose never lost sight of the power and effectiveness of self-denial when it was offered up to God. Her entire life was a testament to the total, self-giving love demonstrated by Jesus' willingness to suffer for our sins. She wrote, Our Lord and Savior lifted up His voice and said with incomparable majesty, Let all men know that grace comes after tribulation. Let them know that without the burden of afflictions, it is impossible to reach the height of grace. Let them know that the gifts of grace increase as the struggles increase. Let men take care not to be stray and be deceived. This is the only true stairway to paradise, and without the cross, they can find no road to climb to heaven. St. Rose of Lima died in 1617 and was the first person born in the Americas to be canonized as a Catholic saint. Her feast day is August 23rd. I'm Bess Drzymski, and this is another great moment in church history. Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff. And we're back in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff. I'm talking to Father Anthony Bateshold, who is a Franciscan friar of the Renewal. And so, uh, you know, at the end of your name, there's that those ominous letters, CFR. What does it stand for? Community of the Franciscans of the Renewal. Okay. Oh, no, That's a good. long one. It's a long so one. So we Franciscan friars that are renewed. Yeah, Franciscan friars that are You're like the really poor Franciscans. As if that's like it's like jumbo shrimp. You know, it's like <laughs> that's a weird thing. <laughs> Call it what you will. Yeah. But uh, so tell me about what are, what are the CFRs like? What charisms would best describe what you guys do as the friars that renewal? Sure. So uh, I think our founders um, they they felt inspired to do two things. And, and, and with, in the midst of the times of the 20th, 21st century, mm-hmm. the times in which we live, they, they felt um, they wanted to go to two, different, two, two areas of ministry, if you will, or two charisms. One is, uh, the first and the foremost, was to work with the poor, the homeless, the destitute, um, a la Mother Teresa of Calcutta, right. something like that. Uh, wherever we go, we, we seek out uh, places to live amongst the poor and right. to live with them. So you're not like at the Waldorf Astoria or whatever, 
We're not at the Waldorf Astoria, no. Yeah, you, and you get you get, kind of get bust into the uh, the poor places. You you live among the people. We live amongst the people. That was always something of the Capuchins that they that they did. They tried to live amongst the poorest areas and minister to the poor. And our second uh, charism would be evangelization to bringing the gospel. It's really it's really witness based at was St. Francis. Really witness based, but but to describe and to, and to proclaim to preach wherever God takes us in retreats. Mm-hmm. Uh, the things that we have seen, the, the workings of God here in Lourdes, you see a lot of work. And when I go back home, I am going to be doing a lot of preaching about what I saw here in Lourdes. And that, how God's that's what working. I was going to ask you: is what is your experience like as 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 a friar of the renewal? You know, how has that informed your visit to to Lourdes? And then, what do you, how has Lourdes informed your your own perspective of yourself uh, as a religious? And 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 what are you going to take back with you? Sure. Um, you know, I, I think that uh, what I love about the Gospels love, uh, and our Lord's life was how he evangelized, how he preached, in most cases where he told, he told stories. Let me tell you a story about this yeah. rich guy, right? Or let me tell you about a guy who had two sons. So, yeah. so everyone's all, they love stories. Guy. Like, he would have been a great joke teller, by the way. He There's was a great joke. I'm sure he was a great <laughs> joke teller. Um, for you yourself, you know, when you have people on the, on the radio, the best, tell me your story. Right. Right. I, I heard a story uh, a couple of years ago of someone on your program who had a healing here in Lourdes. It was, it was phenomenal right. just listening to that. So in, in a way, ultimately, I think the human person wants to hear about stories. Mm-hmm. Stories are we true. We connect to them. We connect to stories. So I go home. Hey, brothers, let me – What they don't want to hear if I'm giving a homily in the, in the friary or something. They don't want to hear some the theological – yeah. Exactly. They don't want to – they can read about that in a book. They're like, tell me what happened in Lourdes. Tell me a story. Well, there was this one guy or so, one, uh, one child or something. So we love stories. And so that's what we take with us, you know, and, and we, we tell the stories of, of God's presence that we see in our lives and the story of people that come into our lives. That's awesome. That's awesome. So, um, what has it been like to meet the people that you've that you've met here at, in, in Lourdes? What what has that been like? It's phenomenal. I I love meeting different people, but even just it's so powerful during the the, the rosary procession at night when you have thousands of people, but to see the the rows and thousands of people in wheelchairs mm. in that procession with candles, praying the rosary, singing that to me is very very powerful. I remember, you know, when I was when I was younger, before I became a friar, one of my favorite stories was the song of Bernadette. You know, oh, really? Fr- Franz Verfel wrote that because he was here in Lourdes right. during World War II, and, and he had made a promise. He was he was a Jew on the run, but he, he made a promise that he could make it to America. He would write that story, and he did. He right. made it to America, wrote the story, became a. You know, a film. Jennifer Jones got the Academy Award yep. for it. Amazing, right? I, I've got that uh, the movie posters hanging in my office because I, I love that. And every time I look at it, it's Franz Werfel's song, song of Bernadette, Bernadette. and it's there, and uh, and there she is standing there. It's amazing, right? Uh, yeah, and that, and and it's, I guess it's because um, it's really the picture of evangelization and what happens, and when we're we'll say infected. With God's grace, and yeah. then you, you can't just keep it in. You've got to you got to spread the virus. <laughs> That's right. You've got to tell somebody about it, right? And it's amazing that I think that story and that movie has still uh, has effects, at least in American society. Yeah. I really do. When I tell some of my, if you will, relatives who aren't so Catholic or not practicing their faith, I'm going to Lords. They know exactly 
where we're going. Right, they know the story. They know, they know it, the or story. they might have seen the, the movie or They might whatever. have seen the movie. They've probably heard something about, oh, Lord, it's France. Yeah, exactly right. So that's the power of stories, of people. You know, that I met this person who, we, we had a person right on our, on our pilgrimage, and her case is being uh, right. investigated by the Vatican to be a possible miracle cure of right. Lourdes. You know, that's, that's really, really powerful. It gives people hope. It gives people faith that God is alive. He's, he's in our midst. So when I come here, you know, so many years after that movie's made, I know that was 1943, I think. Right. But, but you see, within that movie, people being plunged, they're going to get water, they're lighting candles, rosary processions. And now you see the same thing, what, 80 years later? Or, you know, even from, Bernard, from 1858. Right. How many years later? It's still going on. That is powerful, and that is the, the the presence of God that you experience here. That is so neat. And now I'll tell you, it's nice to be on a pilgrimage because everything is always so ordered and uh, regimented. This is the sovereign military order mm. of Malta, and so there's there they got schedules. Yes, but every once in a while, I notice you disappear, and and uh, I think that's a kind of neat thing for people to understand about pilgrimage. That while you're supposed to follow this pilgrimage with the others and be in this group, but every once in a while. You peel off, and I know you go somewhere very special. You, you go to hang out there in the grotto, don't I you? I do. I do. I what love do, what the do grotto. Get, what do you get out of that? I mean, <laughs> tell, what is your perspective, your experience when you're sitting down there, especially at night? Yeah. It's, it's, there's so much that goes on down there. First of all, you're, you're like, uh, you say to yourself, I can't believe I'm in the same place that in 1850, this was a garbage dump. There's something cool about that. Yeah. It was a garbage, big garbage dump down here where pigs lived. And this little girl, Bernadette, everybody loves comes down here you know and she sees this beautiful lady or she called a beautiful girl right within that rock and you say i'm in the same place how many years later right. 160 whatever years and how later. many millions upon millions of people later right who have come and visited because it is a special place it's a very special place so you so you kind of have a a sense that this transcends time that that place that grotto and many people have said i know many of the friars many of my friends have said when you're in that place you lose a sense of time. You really do. Unless it's freezing out. Then you're like, okay, give me. Yeah, you're very aware of the time at that point. i got to get back. <laughs> exactly. But isn't it cool, though, that you say you lose a sense of time? Uh, that's kind of like our mass, right? Yeah. And there's that moment like at that second elevation or, or, or the doxology in the, the, the great yeah. you know, amen. And God l- lifts the veil. And yeah. you, you peer into eternity. It gives you a little peek. It's eternity. a little peak here. It, it's it's a uh, it's awesome. So this has been a fantastic pilgrimage, and uh, uh, Father Anthony, I'm so glad that you would spend do our last show here oh, to wrap things to up and you. sum it up. Uh, but you know the best way to sum it up is to uh, to ask Our Lady uh, through her intercession to lead us closer to her Son, mm. uh, to take care of all those sick people, but also the people that are in their families, but then also the people that just need some kind of healing mm. somewhere and somehow. So let's, uh, let's say a simple, simple prayer we all know as Catholics. Let's say that Hail Mary. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Catholic Cafe. Visit us on the web at thecatholiccafe.com, where you can find out more information about the Catholic Cafe, listen online, download MP3s, or subscribe to our podcast. You can also find us on iTunes 
or follow us on Facebook and Twitter. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send him an email at deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta, Federal Association, and is broadcast with ecclesial permission from the Most Reverend Martin D. Holly, Bishop of Memphis in Tennessee. Join us again at the Catholic Cafe, serving up salvation one cup of coffee at a time. Thank you.